Good morning, Mission Vineyard. Good morning. Isn't the weather amazing? It's awesome. Did you not love the, like, drops of rain that we got? I heard somebody got a quarter inch. I was like, oh, you are blessed. That's fantastic. Well, my name is John Arelli. I get to help with uh, leading this morning. It's an honor to be with you as we uh, take this hour that we never usually take unless somebody says, hey, you should do this to spend time in God's presence, and to expect him to move in ways that we would never imagine. And so would you stand with me? It's just a, it's a posture of, God, I expect you to do something today. I'm standing up. Uh, for you at home as well, I just encourage you, like, don't sit on the couch. It's easy to sit on the couch as you're watching. Don't do that. Stand up as you have the capacity. And the way that we posture ourselves is in, in a couple of ways. So you're standing, well done. And then the other way is just a simple prayer because our mission is to welcome Jesus into all of life. So there's a prayer, a simple prayer that we pray, come Holy Spirit. And it's a prayer that the church, universal, all over the world, Catholic, Presbyterian, Episcopal, whatever, this is a prayer that we've been praying in expectancy that God would do something in our midst. So together, God, we say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We love you and we... We just open the doors of our heart for, for you to do whatever you want today. Amen. Uh, does anybody like clapping? Raise your hand if you like clapping. You don't? Nobody likes? We've got okay. one clapper. I think we've got three. Oh, so, I mean, you're not going to be turning on or off any lights this morning, I promise. But that was for the old people that know what that is. The clapper. You're welcome. Oh, goodness. So for those of you who like to clap, I'm going to ask you to clap. And you're going to clap on my drum when I do this. You're going to clap on that one, okay? Two and four. Yeah. There are some clappers out there. Jesus, we sing to you this morning. We have anticipation for what you're going to do, what you want to do. God, there's a freedom we want to live in today. Would you sing with me? Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear
the next song just between you and Jesus what has God done for you just take a minute what has he done for you you woke up this morning
Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me.
what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This whole notion of the broken bread and the spilt blood of Jesus is such a powerful image in so many ways. Here we are at uh, still in uh, church calendar Easter time. Several Sundays of Easter. It takes a long time to really celebrate Easter appropriately. We're coming up on the ascension of Jesus and Pentecost. And I've been praying lately that God would restore his image in me and that my imagination in God be not just restored, but restoried. The way that I can see him, that I can speak of him, that I can expect of him more than before. And he led me to a passage uh, in Luke. Bear with me just a second. Now, this same day, two of the disciples were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. This is after Jesus has died and been raised from the dead. Uh, together, they were discussing everything that had taken place regarding Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Then he asked them, What is this dispute that you're having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and they looked discouraged. God spoke to me a little bit in this passage. How could they not know they were walking with Jesus? They were disciples of his. They knew him. Something it says, the text says that they uh, were prevented from recognizing him or they were kept from recognizing him. But I wonder if that was God keeping them or if it was something in them. This is the way God began to speak to me. How could they not know Jesus? Maybe it was because Jesus simply looked slightly different. Sometimes we miss God's presence because he no longer appears to me or speaks to me or us in the familiar ways that he always has. Sometimes when I think God has gone silent, it's actually that he is speaking differently. In a new dialect, more appropriate to the new landscape I'm about to enter. If I remain locked in the past by tradition, nostalgia, or just a stale imagination, I'll almost certainly miss the new thing that the now God is forever saying. That passage in Luke goes on. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them that their eyes suddenly were opened. And they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. So they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within, a, within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? So today is, before we enter into this communion, are we missing what the Lord is saying because we're too attached to the familiar ways he's spoken to us before? 
Lord, show us how you are speaking new things to us in new ways today. It is the same Jesus who comes to us covertly disguised in the ordinary. He enters our homes before we've had a chance to tidy them, sits down at our meal tables, half uninvited, and breaks our hearts by breaking bread. The more we say yes to the things he says, the more familiar and precious his voice becomes until ultimately, at the end of the road, at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, we will look back with a mixture of wonder and joy and say with those first disciples, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us? So when Jesus was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and began to give it to them that their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Today, as we both take the bread that represents his body and we take the wine that represents his spilled blood, May we open ourselves to his speaking new things to us in new ways, even speaking the old ways and making them new again. So we have two tables today as we have been, one here and here, and we ask that you would approach the table down that, not middle aisle, not the far one, but that one there and this one here, and then go out the far aisle so we don't get a traffic jam. We have gluten-free crackers there and juice that you can dip the cracker in if you like, but we also have the little uh, kits of the juice and the wafer there. So let's pray as we enter this time of breaking bread with the Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you for your shed blood and for your broken body for us. But as at least you've spoken to me, would you bring a new imagination into our hearts and lives about you and about what you're saying and about what you're doing and the people you want to do it with and in and help us be more a part of that. Restory our imagination in what you're doing today as we come and we celebrate your broken body and your blood. In Jesus' name, amen. You're invited to come.
praying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. It's up on the screen for you in Spanish and in English. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God, would you continue to lead us, prioritizing you and your kingdom this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Lita, good morning. Hi. How are you? Um, I'm cool. I love how the weather outside. I'm not melting this morning. Yes. So I'm very excited. I'm like, even though I'm tired, I'm happy. <laughs> Our lead is always cool. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm glad to not be melting today. Yeah. So that's how I am. There's like a lot going on in the church. Yes. So welcome. My name is Arlita, in case you didn't get that. John and I are actually married, so if you see like familiarity with each other. It's, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're glad you're here, whether you're worshiping with us in person or online. We're really thankful that you chose to be with us today. Um, you're welcome to sit there and just look pretty. Um, anyway, uh, if you are new, we have these little welcome bags for you. Uh, inside, there's some information about our church, as well as something we call a mana bag. Uh, we also have extra mana bags available on the back table for people who want to uh, take one and put them in their car. So if you're driving around the city and you see someone who is in need of maybe some cash or food, you can give them um, that bad bag and bless them that way. We often don't carry cash in our society anymore. I don't because I don't know where it goes. So it's a great way for me to uh, practically love my neighbors in the city um, in a way that may hopefully will bless them. Also in those bags, uh, we have some, like well, if you're new, a Connect card. Um, or even if you're not new and you are now getting the weekly emails about what's going on in the life of the church. Um, you can fill out one of those connect cards and update your email address, and we won't spam you. We'll just uh, send weekly um, emails with information about what's going on. And we also have um, some, a prayer card, like how can I pray for you? And we value prayer a whole lot in our church. Um, at the end of every service, we have prayer teams uh, to minister to any spiritual, physical, emotional need that might come up. And during the week, we have a small group of people that pray uh, for an hour um, over Zoom uh, for any needs that they know about in the church or friends of the church or anything like that. So if you have a prayer request that you would like people to pray uh, for and about and with you, um, you can fill out one of those cards and put it in 
um, the giving basket, and people would be happy to pray for you and welcome Jesus into that situation. Um, we have, this afternoon, we were supposed to move out of our temporary space. So we meet here on Sundays. The Museum has been a lovely host, but we'd only have the space for Sunday mornings. And uh, friends of ours that own property on Broadway gifted us the former Fiesta building from February through May, and we were supposed to move out today. So we were going to go up to church in a certain way. I have to stop swearing, or maybe I have to become vegan now. I don't know. Like all of those things. It, God bless you if you're vegan. That it's not us. But we can get into those spaces in our heads, can't we? Where we get so overwhelmed with what it's supposed to be like. What it's supposed to be like. I was talking with a friend of mine, and as I'm on the phone with him, wouldn't you know, he's watching the market, because he's so invested in the market these days, the stock market, and all the other ones. I mean, you can pick and choose all kind of different pieces of the market to invest in. But boy, he is watching it as we're on the phone. He's like, wait, pray again, it just went up. And I just, well, okay. Like, there, there's so many ways that we, we put value in the world and we invest in things. There's so many different ways that we say, man, I wish I had it all together. And it's not bad to get it all together, right? I mean, stop drinking so much. Really. Like, if you've got, like, temptation in your life, lust issues, like, get accountability. These are good things, right? And God is calling us forward into an identity that's less about proving ourselves and more about serving him with everything that we have. Less about proving ourselves, more about serving him and the world for that matter with everything that we have. So before I continue, I just want to pray, Lord Jesus, you know how much we need to hear you today. So God, I pray that every single word that I say, every single word from your scripture would pierce our hearts in the best way for the sake of your glory, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you don't remember anything from today, I want you to remember that God is saving us from becoming kings by inviting us to become priests. God is saving us from becoming kings by inviting us to become priests. There's a posture that's quite different, and I want to show you that just a little bit by rooting you in the story of the scriptures, which begins with Abraham, continues through what's called the Judges. You know all those books that we never read at the beginning of the Bible? You've read of them. Yes, you have. All of those beginning books, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, all of those books, they tell the story of how we get from one place to the other, how God created us to be in relationship with him, just to be loved by him. I mean, just to be loved by him. And the books take us through a journey of how people struggled with that from the beginning, saying, no, God, I want to know. I know you love me, but I want to know what's going to happen. So I'm going to take that role on myself. And the struggle continues to the Tower of Babel in a place where people just postured themselves against God and said, oh, no, you're not going to have lordship. I'm going to have lordship. 
And God says, good for you. By the way, there's millions of different languages. Have fun with those. And he splits the whole population of the earth. Causes calamity. And then in the midst of that calamity, invites a guy named Abram and Sarai into the picture and says, I know you don't think much of yourself, but I'm going to do so much through you. I know you don't think much of yourself, but God says, I'm going to do so much through you. There's a couple people that need to hear that today. I know you don't think much of yourself, but God's going to do so much through you. His desire is to love you. And as he loved you, to just invite you into all of his amazingness. That's very, very difficult in the season that we're in, isn't it? Oh, wait, there's a new variant. Go wear some more masks. That more, it was like uh, the CDC said a third of you should be wearing masks now. Oh, by the way, who knows how much oil is now? It's 110, 120 a barrel, something like that. You've been feeling it at the pump. If you haven't, I don't know who you are. Maybe you just take the bus all day. That's great. I want to become more like that. Get on my bike more often. It's hot. Anyway, um, stock market, Bitcoin. If you've had money in Bitcoin, forget that. It's very difficult to feel that sense of security when we've been building up our own sense of security so much. I don't know how many of you have gone through job changes. I don't know how many of you have gone through moves. Now you have to find new friends. All of those things that used to solidify us and give foundations to us, they continue to shake. So what are we supposed to do? Well, in Abraham and Sarah, that's, that became their new name, they continued to do some things that tried to bolster themselves up. It wasn't what God wanted, but they did it anyway. So Abraham and Sarah couldn't have kids. They were getting super old, so Abraham says, hey, I got an idea. Or Sarah says, I got an idea. Why don't you sleep with this other woman? You have a kid with her, but we'll call him ours. And God's like, uh, no, I've got a promise for you. But they said, no, 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 God, we've got this. Ever done that before? Yes, you have. It's okay. So they continue through the story. And wouldn't you know, the generations and generations and generations that continue after that, they all continue to go, oh, God, I know that you've got blessings for me. Thank you so much. Let me take that and figure that out by myself. And they always fumble it. Ever felt like, oh, God, I know you've got big things for me. And then you, there's the anxiety starts to build. And you think, oh, I've got to figure this out. And in the figuring out, you know you're fumbling it, but you don't know how to turn back to God. And he says, oh, would you just come back to me? I love you so much. I've got such great plans for you. I love you so much. I've got such great plans for you. So God appoints what's called these judges, and judge after judge, they just continue to fumble it. They take that tension of what their first calling was, to be really priests for the people, to bring all of those fumbling times and say, hey, don't worry that you fumbled it. Let me bring you back to our Father in Heaven. He loves you so much. He's got such great plans for you. And they keep fumbling and fumbling. And finally, the Israelites get so frustrated with themselves. They said, you know what? We know what's wrong. We know what's wrong. We don't need priests bringing our stuff to God. We need a king. That's what the problem is. It's not us. We're awesome. We need somebody better to represent us. Oh my goodness, have you ever felt that way? Scapegoating, this sense of, 
Oh, no. And some, I watched this interview with Will Smith, and I know he's been, in the, he's been in the TV a little bit. Yeah, on the news. Will Smith, movie star, amazing, punched some guy in the face for talking about his wife bad on public television. Punched him. So I'm watching this interview that's actually filmed before all of this happens, and he's talking about the tension of his life, how he was beaten as a child. There's different discussions in these interviews. Uh, even a guy named Ryan Reynolds, I don't know if you've heard of him before, talking about how he's realizing that he used to blame his dad so much for all of his darkness. And then he realized he was just doing that to kind of explain away his own behavior. Don't we often do this? We're trying to figure out why we fumble the ball so easily. And God continues to say, would you just come back to me? I love you. I've got such amazing plans for you. So, after the judges, the people talk to, uh, well, let me read you the scripture first. This is from Exodus chapter 19, verse 3. This is in the time of Moses. And this commission is given to Moses for what the people are really supposed to be like. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, Tell the people of Israel, these are all of Abraham's descendants, that we had talked about, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. What did God do to the Egyptians? God took the Egyptians, who were the slaveholders of all the Israelites, and without the Israelites being able to do one stinking thing, God cut off every power from all of Egypt. You know those guys that build the pyramids and everything? Without the Israelites doing anything, God conquered the Egyptians. He just did it. So he's saying to Moses, you yourselves have seen what I've done all by myself and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself like he always does. Would you just come close? I love you. I've got such big plans for you. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, stay close to me, keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. Do you see what God is doing with his people? Say, I know the stock market is a mess, but it all belongs to me. I know you don't have any friends right now because you've just moved, but it all belongs to me. I know you don't feel like you can prove yourself to anybody, but I own everything. And I love you, and I've got plans for you. There's a guy, there's a pastor in New York City. I really like him. His name is Timothy Keller. I think we've got a slide with a quote from him. I think it's on your paper as well. And it just hit me right where God wanted to reach me. This. See if we can find that quote by Tim Keller. We may not be able to find it. You may just have it on your sheet there. That's all right. So the biggest lie that Satan tries to tell us is that we can prove ourselves. 
The biggest lie that Satan tries to tell us is that we can prove ourselves. And we can't. You know why? Because we can't outdo God. If you want to argue with them like Job did, guess what he's going to say? Where were you when I created the universe? Put every star in its place. Made the earth so perfect, so Goldilocks as they call it, that this is the only one in all existence in all of the universe, which you still can't measure, by the way. This is the only one where you can be sustained. We can't do better than him. So there's no way it is illogical that we can prove ourselves. I was listening to a conference recently with a, a neuropsychiatrist. David, you're going to get me better. I'm, you're going to fix me later. David is actually one of these people. In any case, he's, he's talking about how our brain literally does not have the function to be able to see ourselves. We cannot actually see ourselves for who we are. And yet, how much of your day is wrapped up with proving yourself? God says, don't you remember? Don't you remember? You're my treasured possession among all peoples, he says in Exodus. For all the earth is mine. And because the earth is mine, I've got a job for you. Listen to this job, Exodus 19, verse 6. And you shall be to me. You shall be to me. I'm going to make you something for myself, just like I made you in the first place. You will be to me a kingdom of priests. He does not say kingdom of kings, as we would like to be. He does not say a kingdom of amazing people that will prove themselves to the world of amazingness. He doesn't say a kingdom of supermen and superwomen, or even Batman. We know who's better there. Not going to say it out loud. It's okay. We all know. He says, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So there, they've got their commission. These people that know that they can't do it. That know that Egypt wasn't conquered by them. It was conquered by God, by his own hand. These people that know that every time they get a commission from God and they take it away by themselves, they fumble it. These people that know that, God tells them, you're going to be a priest to me, a kingdom of priests to me. You're going to belong to me because I love you and I've got a plan for your life. So I told you about all the judges that kept fumbling the ball. Finally, the people go to one of those judges. His name is Samuel. And you know what? Samuel was fumbling it too. His kids weren't following God. He wasn't the best guy in the world, but God still chose him. God still loved him. And because he couldn't prove himself to the people, the people came against him. Watch this. This is 1 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 4. Then all of the elders of Israel gathered together. All the heavies came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you're old. End of conversation. 
Behold, Woo! you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Talk about trying to pierce the heart. Some of you, I mean, we're laughing about this, but some of you are feeling this pretty personally right now. As if you could make your children follow God. As if you could. How many times have you lived in the anxiety that if you only did this, your kids would be following God? Oh my, would you turn back to him because he loves you and he has a plan for your life? It's time to release that back to the Lord. But look what happens with Samuel. Your sons don't walk in your ways. Kicking them below the belt line there. Now appoint for us a king, Samuel. You're not good enough. You haven't proven yourself to us. So appoint for us somebody that the other kingdoms have. A king. Give us someone that can represent us. That can look good for us. You see what happens? They're not looking in the, the heavies of Israel that know they belong to God, that know that they have a plan, that God just says, would you come to me? I want to love you. I just want to tell you what a plan I have for your life. All those guys that know that and are supposed to represent that, they don't say, we need to repent and come back to the Lord. We need to hear his voice because he loves us and he has a plan for our lives. They don't say that. What do they say? Give us somebody that will make us look good. Because this ain't working. We do this all the time. In small group the other night, a small group leader posed to us a question I thought was absolutely powerful. How do you see yourself as Christian? I'm a Christian. It's like almost like a political statement. I'm a Christian. It's not a bad thing, but it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. But some of us stop there. Are you a follower of Jesus? That's good. I mean, that, that's relational, right? I mean, that's, you're going to God for, with some things, right? Are you a follower of Christ? Maybe there's some nomenclature there. The Christ of, I am to the cross. I am following the cross. Are you a friend of Jesus? Are you a friend of God? These are some different names here, aren't they? And they ask, the relationship, how we pose ourselves with God, asks some different things of us, doesn't it? Am I a partner with him? We had a, a class last week, uh, like a membership class, but we don't have membership here. We have partnership, which, I don't know, maybe is a little funky. If it throws you off, that's fine. But here's my deal. It's impossible for members to verbalize, to become active in their membership. What is it, to mem? Like, in the English language, we don't have anything like that. To be a member is like this static place of I'm with, therefore I'm represented of. Good for you. Like, that's good. But for us, it's partnership. You know why? Because God has asked us not to say, we're with him, give us a king. God has called us to partner with him, to hear his voice, to go to him and say, I am fumbling the ball. Will you help me, please? The posture of our Heavenly Father is not, go your own way, prove yourself, you dirty, little, rotten, whatever. No. That, those are the words of kings. That's not the word of our priest. Kings are very interested in using you for their own glory. Priests are very interested in your identity be being fulfilled in them, being restored in them, being loved in them. 
And so the posture that we take with one another must change. It can't be about proving myself because God is not about prove us proving ourselves to him. He canceled that on the cross. He's done with us even trying. Samuel gets stung below the belt by his people who want him to become something that God never wanted for him in the first place. Give us a king to judge us. And so Samuel actually becomes the man that God wants him to be. Look what he does. He says, Samuel prayed to the Lord. This is the posture of a follower, of a partner with God, that when we get stung, we don't try to figure it out by ourselves. We go to him. And watch what the Lord does when we go to him. This is the way we're supposed to be rooted, folks. Not in our little cast where our roots get tied up and we keep anxious. The Lord wants us to root out, and the way we do that is by posturing us before the Lord, our heavenly priest. Samuel prayed, the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. This is the real deal. We are meant not to have kings among us. We are meant not to prove ourselves as kings we are meant to follow one king who is also our heavenly priest, and that is our Father in heaven. That is Jesus who died on the cross for us. They've rejected me from being king over them. The scriptures continue. That was verse 7, then down to verse 18. And in that day, what happens because they got what they wanted, they got somebody to stand up for them, and be shiny in front of the rest of the people without them having to change at all, without them having to posture themselves before the Lord. Instead, on that day, the God says to Samuel, what's going to happen to them is they will cry out because of the king that they made for themselves, whom they have chosen themselves. And look what happens. It says, the Lord will not answer you on that day. We need to be very, very careful about the posture that we take when we are in need because if we reject the lord and try to make a king for ourselves in our lives the stock market retirement fund relationships how i'm seen before other people how many instagram likes i get i don't care what it is if we start taking the promises of god that he has for us and we start huddling it away when we fumble it there is a chance that we were so far away. It's very hard to hear God's answer. I love the announcements. Just perfect timing. Judges 21, 25. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Thank God this is not the end of the story. Friends, this is not the end of the story. The end of the story ends like the beginning of the story. The end of the story ends with God saying, come close. I love you. I've got a plan for your life. 
And instead of the people making a way for themselves, God makes a way for us. And he comes down to us. Every time that we've tried to make it right, we fumble the ball. If you continue to read through First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, you continue to see how every single king of Israel, or the divided kingdom, because there was a civil war, was absolutely fumbled. And they continued to lead in more ways like the Pharaoh of Egypt, enslaving one another, than like the priests that God was calling them to be. The book of Hebrews gives us a picture. This is chapter 5, and then I'm going to go backwards into chapter 4. We are called to be a kingdom of priests. You remember when God said that to, Ab- to Moses, and, and the calling to Abraham is there as well? This is Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1. For every high priest chosen from among men, this is you and me, appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God and offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. This is you calling your buddies and saying, hey, I know you're going through a hard time. Can I pray for you? This is what he's talking about. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since himself is beset with weakness. So here's the true condition. We are weak. And we're still called to be priests. God doesn't hold one against the other. He holds them both in tension. You can't be both a king and weak. The world won't allow it. But the world loves a priest who's weak. You know why? Because I can come alongside you and say, I've been there. I can tell you right now, I've been there. And so I want to walk with you in my weakness. Because of this, he's obligated to sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So we're called to be a kingdom of priests. We're called to be weak. We're called to be ones that can't hold it like the king of the universe can. Humans, loved by God, called with a purpose. So then backwards into chapter 4, look what the writer says about God. Look what he says about what Jesus did for us. Since then, we have a great high priest. This is Jesus, who passed through the heavens, became incarnation, came to us not as a champion with a sword killing all the Romans, but as a baby laying himself down. Humbly, since we have this great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He's been there. He's done that. You know those temptations that you've even dealt with in this service? Jesus has had those temptations too. But he won. But he won. So he can be fully our priest. The one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin, let us then with confidence, not because we've proven ourselves, but with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Confidence because Jesus has gone before us, conquered sin, and made a way that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
one of these days I'll do a sermon on giving, not because the church is in dire need or something like that, but because it is one of those things that's so close to our hearts when we feel weak. We often try to gather ourselves so deeply to try to prove ourselves, defend ourselves. When the market goes down, when what we tried to sell didn't sell for how much we wanted it to sell, when we can't prove to ourselves how good we're doing, this is actually the time that we're supposed to posture in generosity. You know why? Because if we try to posture ourselves to prove ourselves, we'll become those kings that keep on fumbling the ball and losing contact with our Heavenly Father. There's something God wants to do today. There's a couple of things, I think. One is, you know, there, there are times that we say, hey, there's some prayer teams over there. Why don't you go see them? And the way that posture is, it's as if we're putting you off in the corner because real good people should be put in the corner. And we say to ourselves, like, you know, you probably need some privacy with your junk. You're special in a bad way. This is actually not what we believe at all. What we actually believe is that real strength and strength in the Lord says, I'm ready to go to my priest and receive help. What we really believe is if we're holding those things that we're embarrassed of really tightly, we realize those things are going to corrupt us, get distorted, and we'll, we'll end up worse on the other side. So one thing that we're going to do this morning is have our ministry teams come up front. So prayer teams who have been prayed, who have been trained in a way to be able to pray for you, where they're not going to give you advice, they're actually going to come and be those kind of priests with you. They are leaders that walk with a limp, is what we say. They are ones that are we call wounded healers. I'm going to ask them to come up front this morning. So go ahead. And they don't like being the center of attention either. They don't want to be up front here. And so let's not make them the center of attention. Let's make Jesus the center of attention this morning. Let's make our high priest the focal point. Let's practice what we actually believe, which is we are in need. Let's practice that God, our Heavenly Father, says, you don't have to prove yourself anymore. In fact, you never could in the first place. Come to me. I love you. I've got a plan for your life. I'm going to do so much with you. Specifically, we had a whole separate team than these people. Some are involved, but there was a whole team that was praying, and as they were praying, they had a couple of impressions. Like, Lord, oh, you wanted to pray for these kind of people? Yeah. Someone who's too anxious to receive God's presence. They didn't know I was going to say anything in this sermon. Someone who's got a who's lost the sense of awe in God's presence. Some of you Zoom watchers who want to feel connected to the body of Christ, but this tension and staying home has just been really difficult. I know actually we've got more, a group of people that's been growing in Jamaica that's been watching, and feeling connected is really hard. We're going we're gonna to sort that out, but if that's you this morning, we want to create space for God to meet you. You could have other emotional, physical, or spiritual needs. And I'm, I know there's a couple of you that have just, you've got stuff that's too heavy. We're not going to deal with it all this morning. But instead of going to God with it and praying to Him, you've been taking it. And it's not become better. 
the Lord really wants to allow you. He wants to be your God. He wants to be your priest. He wants to be your king. He wants to be your everything. So as destiny leads us this morning, would you please let God be who he's always wanted to be in your life? And would you become what you've been called to be, which is someone who has been made to be a kingdom of priests, practicing the need for a priest? Some of you haven't been raised with this. This is completely new or it's been a while. And so I'm going to pray a prayer with you that you would be able to receive Jesus and open the door of your heart so that all the ways that just haven't been working would fall down and you would let God lead you into a way that actually works. Maybe the God that you believed in was the one that yelled at you and shamed you. And it's just not real. So pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I am so sorry for the things that I've done wrong in my life. And just take a moment. And just take the posture before him. Say with me, please forgive me. I now turn from everything which I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit, and I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you've prayed that this morning, please come up and say Raise your hand if that's you. It's been a while, but I needed to say that prayer. Raise your hand if that's you. I know there's some people here who are willing to to humble yourself and say, yeah, that's me. We need our Heavenly Father. We need Jesus. So as destiny plays, come and receive prayer. dedicating our life to him.
lay down that false identity of king and become a priest before the Lord. Would you stand and receive this blessing as we go out? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that you would come back to God and give him everything you're carrying and that he would speak to you and show you how much he loves you and how much plan he has for you. He loves you so much, and he's got such a beautiful plan for your life. Would you receive this and be filled with the Holy Spirit to do it? I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace. Continue to come and receive prayer. Come have a blast shooting Nerf guns with us across the street. We're going to have some fun. Have a great week.